You are listening to Bullet Points. Bullet Points is our 15-minute monthly update on hot topics in the gun violence prevention movement. Greetings, I'm Margot Bennett, the Executive Director of Women Against Gun Violence, and this is Bullet Points, our 15-minute or less podcast where we update you on hot topics in the gun violence prevention movement. Last week at the State of the Union, President Joe Biden reaffirmed his commitment to preventing gun violence and banning assault weapons. As background, mass shootings that involve an assault weapon result in six times as many people shot on average. Since 2009, The 10 mass shootings with the most casualties involved a high-capacity magazine, an assault weapon, or both. Serving as a senator, now President Biden, helped pass the original assault weapons ban in 1994. In the 10 years the ban was law, mass shootings went down. After Congress let the ban expire, mass shootings tripled. 25, the assault weapons ban, was reintroduced in the Senate by Senator Feinstein just last month. H.R. 698, the assault weapons ban, was reintroduced in the House by Representative Cicilline on February 1. Let's help President Biden finish the job. Call your legislators today and tell them to pass the assault weapons ban now. Also last week, the Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors passed sweeping gun regulations impacting the unincorporated areas of Los Angeles County. Unanimous votes were taken and recorded in favor of banning the sale of all 50 caliber guns and ammunition, banning the carrying of all guns on county property, including beaches and parks, drafting regulations to implement a zoning buffer of 1,000 feet between gun stores and any child safety area, like schools, daycares, parks, playgrounds, drafting sale gun storage regulation, and drafting regulations to implement a whole host of new licensing requirements for gun stores, mandatory inventory collection, fingerprint collection, and security cameras. These new regulations should help keep us all safer and become a model for other jurisdictions throughout the state of California. And now, charges have been filed in connection with the shooting on the Rust set. On October 21, 2021, at the Bonanza Creek Ranch in Bonanza City, New Mexico, cinematographer Halnya Hutchins was fatally shot and director Joel Souza was injured on the set of the film Rust when a live round was discharged from a revolver used as a prop by actor Alec Baldwin. Now, actor and producer Alec Baldwin has been criminally charged in connection with the fatal shooting on the set. The charges against Baldwin and the set's armorer, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, include two counts of involuntary manslaughter. Negligent use of a deadly weapon charges were also fired against Rust Assistant Director David Halls, who has pleaded no contest and has entered into a plea agreement.
In light of these recent charges being filed, we are going to replay our original podcast with Jody Mann, Women Against Gun Violence board member and property master in the film industry. Also, be sure to listen in March when Alec Foster talks about mass shootings and contagion theory. And now, here's Jody Mann. Welcome, Jody. Good morning. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. So, what were the odds that WADVA would actually have a property master, an expert on the topic, on our board of directors? And yet we do. I know. Well, and what did I ever think that I would bring any kind of value like this? <laughs> I mean, it's phenomenal. So let's let's tackle the topic okay so i think the one thing i'm really interested in is what's the difference between a prop gun and an authentic gun okay so when you are using weapons in any type of a situation or shooting or anything's called for on the set there are we'll say four options you can have a rubber gun which is when, if there's a, something gets physical between two actors, then you have a rubber gun that matches whatever. Other, so you have matching guns. So you have a rubber gun, a replica gun. You can have a live real gun. Doesn't mean live ammo. It means a live real gun. And then you can have an airsoft. So those are kind of the four options that you use. Okay. So... Why choose any of the prop guns, the three that you mentioned, as opposed to a real firearm? So if you have police officers and you see a gun in their holster, or a detective and you see a gun in their holster, you don't need a real gun. All you're seeing and all you're doing is suggesting. So if you're doing a scene and people are in the distance, Give them a rubber gun. I very rarely use a live real gun. And if it's called for, I have an armorer that handles it. Okay. So one of the things we talked about before we started recording was I mentioned how the police officers in real life sometimes mistake fake guns for real firearms. And if police officers out on the street can make that mistake, why would there ever be a need for a real gun in, you know, on set? I, I guess I just don't understand. Well, cre- it's a creative choice. And it's also when, and I'm not, let me preface this by saying I'm here to expose and talk about what Hollywood represents, not my personal feelings about what they should or shouldn't be doing. Because that's really important to me. I'm not defending Hollywood, nor I'm not condemning or condoning. I'll just give like a little bit of inside perspective. Perfect. So if you're doing a shoot and a film shoot, not a shoot, and um, you have a situation where you are trying to tell a story and we in Hollywood is entertainment in order to authentically tell a story, the goal is to replicate reality. Now this comes with wardrobe. If you're shooting Prada, you're not gonna buy your clothes at Target. 
you're going to reflect a product type of an environment and a genre. If you're shooting a baseball game and it's a major league baseball, you're not going to use little league equipment. You're going to represent major league baseball because that way your story becomes real and you're telling a story. And that's what Hollywood is doing. They're telling a story. So if we look at it that way and you're having a scene where you are seeing gunfire to tell a story, you want to see a pop out of a barrel. You want to see some smoke. You want to hear a blast. And you want to get, as a director, accurate reactions from your cast. Okay, so I have to say that all makes perfect sense to me. (laughs) It does. It does. So then let's talk about the ammunition. Because I, I, I kind of understand the authenticity and evoking a response and reflecting reality. So let's talk about ammunition. Why? So, and a lot of people are saying, why would there ever be live ammo on set? There shouldn't be. So the way that the licensing works, all right, I'm a prop minister. I have a federal firearms permit, which I'm not renewing after this particular incident. This is the first time I think in my career. Anyway, I'm choosing not to renew my permit at this particular point in my career because I want zero culpability. At the moment, I've only used my permit to transport. I always have an armor because I'm not comfortable with I'm obviously on the board here, so this <laughs> reflects my feeling around it. But beyond that, I know that my fear and anxiety around guns would, would increase my qualifications to do this well. And when I'm on a show, I did a show called The Premise, and one of the episodes is all about gun violence. And I said to them from the onset, I will have an armor, even for rehearsals, whatever, I will have an armor. Mind you, when I was doing a show and tell, which you bring any prop you do a show and tell, and you bring things to a director or a writer to say, is this what you're thinking about? And on this show, it was very important. I did transport weapons from A to B. And Armor met me there to show the director the action and the movement in the guns. Why? Because I'm not comfortable with it. And he was just better at it, frankly. So you as a prop person, anybody who handles a firearm has to have a federal firearms permit, which is an entertainment permit. It's not a regular permit. And in order to do that, I mean, it's, You fill out an application. You don't take any tests. There's no training. You now for an armorer, it's different. But for me, I have just have to go get fingerprinted. I have to be in good standing with my union. There are safety passport classes that we have to take and renew them every few years. There aren't any on guns or gun safety because it doesn't apply to everybody in the union. I would venture to guess, and these are controlled by OSHA, and I would venture to guess that there's going to be one coming up that we are going to be required. I hope there is, because there should be. But why would there have been live rounds? There's no excuse for it. There's no excuse for it. Now, New Mexico is a right to carry state. 
And so I don't know if laws around, I, I don't know. It's an interesting question that I should look into because I don't know if laws in right to carry states are different as to where live ammo can be present. On set. Should never be on set because the, the possibility of that kind of a mishap, it still is inexcusable that that mishap happened because there are very, very few people that are allowed to touch Mm -hmm. ammo, the weapons on set. And there was a person on this set that was not allowed to touch it. So what we're saying, I think, is that maybe there is no law governing Hollywood, in quotes, in terms of real ammunition on set. But that's just common sense. But it may be governed by the type of state laws that there are. Yeah, I think so. Or if there is a law governing this in in the union bylaws. I've not seen it or heard it. And mm-hmm. Yeah. So, of course, you know, some of the scuttlebutt, some of the gossip around the event, the rust shooting, is that, you know, some people were actually shooting weapons with live ammo offset in their spare time, like they were going shooting and stuff. So maybe that's how live ammo worked its way onto the set. I don't know. That's just speculation. That could have been. And and I have a a huge judgment about that because no prop. I don't care if it's a cup of coffee. Nobody should be touching it but the actor who's drinking it or the prop person. An AV has no business touching it. A camera operator. No one has any business touching any prop unless you were part of the prop department. So taking that one step further, again, speculation is saying that they were using these same weapons to do fun and target practice on weekends offset. No, that's not why those, like those weapons, when you rent a weapon, you are renting it for use on a set on a show. So who who controls what goes on on the set? Or is it just kind of a wild... No, it's very... Yeah. Actually, ironically, the person that really controls the set is the first AD. And this first AD... And AD stands for? Assistant director. Okay. So an assistant director is like, if you look at a set like a small town, and you have the governing body which is when, you know, when you're not in town halls or in meetings, everything is probably the governor, maybe there's the mayor, or if it's like a school, there's the principal, but then you have the administrators that are actually, or maybe it's the other way around where the principal is there. So the first AD issues your call time. They tell you where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be there. You get the, there should be on every set when you're using effects. I mean, I I have attachments to our call sheets for heat warnings. So safety memos are issued from the first AD department. And then you get to a set every morning and your first AD gathers everybody around, talks about what you're going to accomplish today. This is what we're going to do. This is where we're going to be. If there's a location move, if there's this, this will take us to lunch. This will be after lunch. And then there's a safety meeting. And it could be anywhere from health warnings to if we're making a move, if we're working near streets, you have to wear your vests. 
If there are weapons being used, there'll be a talk about that. The prop department usually will issue safety equipment, such as goggles, if necessary, ear protection. And then also if there's weapons being used, there's a bullet blast that's usually placed in front of cameras. Oh. So there's a, a bullet shield. If it's within a certain amount of feet, and I don't recall how many feet. Because, and you heard my like, ah, because clearly that wasn't there. No. And, and it's odd to me that it was not there for a rehearsal because that shield also affects your camera angles. So I don't think it was a natural rehearsal though. I think it was, it sounds like he was just practicing. Well, the actor was just practicing. And I have been on sets a lot where they'll say first team private rehearsal. Private rehearsal. Like usually someone from my department is there. I'm not on set. I'm running around prepping. And I mean, I am sometimes, but very rarely. Usually I'm getting rid of yesterday and getting ready for tomorrow and looking towards next week. And then I have assistants that are on set. So before you're going to shoot something, they'll do a rehearsal. Sometimes they will do a first team private rehearsal, which this may have been the case in this situation. Usually with a first team rehearsal, you will have the actors that are in the scene, the director, the script supervisor, the AD. If there are weapons on set, you'll have the armorer and a prop person. And that's like a semi-private rehearsal. And that's just so everybody sees the moves. And they'll work that a few times and then they'll they'll do rehearsal. Um, it's called a marking rehearsal. So then the whole crew comes in, the camera department marks where people are moving and going to, and sound gets to see where they are so that they can know where to put their booms. And then the cast will go away. Was the, is the fire on there the whole time? The armor, yes, should be there. Okay. So during the rehearsal, even for all of these markups, et cetera, the actor with the firearm or who's ever the armor or the armor or the prop person would be there. Okay. The licensed prop person. But usually it's the armor and the prop person is the way that that works is usually the armor is handling the weapons and the prop people are, are assisting them at that point of how can I help you when I'm doing it? It's all up to the armor. Okay. So once again, before we start recording, you mentioned the statistics, like how rare this is. And so could you? Yes. Okay. Again, in the interest of full disclosure, I am not condemning or condoning Hollywood. It's not my personal beliefs. I'm just stating some facts. Statistically, if we look at how many television shows, documentaries, series, movies, use blanks and guns as compared to how many fatal incidents there have been, the statistics are very low. Right. And, and really one of the reasons why I ask you to bring that up is because this year in the United States, in 2021, we're on track to lose 40,000 lives here in the United States, just in 2021 due to gun violence and can't get any laws through Congress 
some states are actually making accessibility to firearms easier. But I suspect with this one gun death that we'll see some action being taken to prevent future gun deaths on set. Well, I hope it prevents future gun deaths all over. But I I would think, and at this point, you know, it's an interesting conversation because people have strong feelings about Alec Baldwin. Right, right. <laughs> you know what? In this particular instance, this man took a prop from somebody. Right. Now, should he have looked? It was a revolver, so it, it has a chamber. Should he have looked at it? That's neither here nor there because truly... That's not his responsibility, not right? At not at all. He also was a producer on that show. So right. there are things that are coming. There's information that's coming through about that particular set that are being highlighted and that I had heard about before came out in the news. Like the camera crew walked that morning due to unsafe conditions, specifically with the weapons, but also other unsafe conditions. The history of this AD, the fact that they had replaced quite a few people in departments, unsafe working conditions were highlighted also in a time when the union just is trying to settle the outburst of a strike. Like we just voted on strike authorization two, three weeks ago. And they came up with a settlement and then we, we have not voted on that yet. So we are still working without a contract. And so I think, all of that's going on. So the and language on there yes, on, on yes. that particular set. Yes. So well. the language around safety on a set has been in the news right now. So it's very topical. And I'm again, I'm not saying this with any spin. It's just the timing of this is... Interesting. And someone I was with last night said, well, do you think now this is going to be part of your negotiation? There was never anything in our negotiation about gun safety. So do you think it'll be added? No. I personally, there's so many other things that should be added (laughs) besides that. And I don't say that like we lost a life and somebody got injured and that's horrific. But how many lives do we lose on the streets of L.A.? Well, and, and that, that was my point is that this is a terrible loss as all lives being lost to gun violence are, but statistically rare yet we're closing up on 40,000 deaths this year in the United States, no action taken. Right. So Thank you so much, Jody. Thank you. This was great. <laughs> this was fun. I think I'll be bringing more guests onto the podcast. I hope you all enjoyed it. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to address, please be sure to email me at wagv at wagv.org. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you for listening to Bullet Points, and be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Visit our website at wagv.org to sign up for our action alerts. We're looking forward to you joining us next month.